Happy Tag Tuesday. Here we are again. I'm Ann Police. And I'm Denise Cooper. We're two average girls. You know what you've tuned in for. And we appreciate you hitting that purple button on your phone. It's it's easy to do. And if you don't know how to do it, just find a 15-year-old. They'll help you. A seven-year-old. <laughs> My three-year-old grandson can do it all. Dee Dee, are you Tag? Are you the podcast? Yeah, he knows. He knows what's up. He actually comes in this room and pretends he's podcasting. Oh. He has no idea what it means to do that, but he's sitting here and he's like, Dee Dee, talk to me. Can we interview Henry? You should interview Henry. <laughs> Henry's in a new phase. What's the phase? Cowboy phase. Uh, he's a three-year-old cowboy? He, he, don't call sorry. him a three-year-old cowboy. Oh. He's a big boy now. Oh, I'm sorry. He's a big boy. But, and he mm. actually identifies... <laughs> As a cowboy, as well as a country western singer that is very famous. I don't know the guy's name, but now if you, he wants you to call him by that It's not name. Shania Twain, is His it? name, no, he's, he's not identifying as a country woman singer. He's still a man, but he is a cowboy. Do not disrespect it. Sorry. And if you, he, his, the, the singer's name is Jade something. Okay. okay. I don't know it enough, but. So that's who he's, that's his. That's his second, that's his alter ego, is this it, Jade. It can change every day, but now he's into, he's got a belt buckle. Oh. He's got a leather belt. He wears a flannel shirt. He's got a legitimate white hat, like the card kind, like the real cowboys wear. Yeah. It's like really, a, like you got it at the boot barn. And then he had these little <laughs> janky boots yeah. that were like fake leather that were like peeling apart. So sure. Mitchell said, take him down to the boot barn and get him a real set, right? Yeah, right. Like, give him some dignity. <laughs> so they show him going into boot barn, and he's picking out, like, these red, white, and blue. They've got, like, yes. full American flags on the yes. side. He didn't end up with those. So I asked, what's the deal? And they're like, those were expensive. Those yeah. well, those yeah. ones were, like, more expensive. And the ones he got were already expensive for a three-year-old to be wearing. Sure. But he's stomping around in the dirt. He's loving his life. He does not go out of it. He actually is watching videos about like bucking broncos mm. and how to change your horse's shoes. Oh. So he doesn't have a horse, but he has a scooter. The scooter gets upside down. The oh. wheels are up. Right. Okay. okay. And he starts pretending like he's changing the oh. shoes on the horse, Henry. which is a scooter. I love him. But he has an imagination. And he's great. It, and so he was riding home from the boot barn yesterday, mm-hmm. and he's yelling in the car. What's he yelling? I want to ride a horse. Oh. And do he's yelling it at the top of his lungs. Do we have a horse to, for him to ride? We do, because okay. our my sister-in-laws all live in Norco. Yes. Horse Town, USA. That's true. And they took him over there, and he got his horse ride. And? Did he love it? I guess so. He was. On I saw that pictures. Horse. He was using his hat. I sent him to you. You yeah. saw that. Yeah. It was. He was loving his life. Using the hat. Using the boots. Got the belt buckle. Got his horse. He had the best day ever yesterday. I love him. Wouldn't it just be so great to be three years old and the biggest thing on your mind is I got to get some new boots. Mm-hmm. You got to call me by my alter ego, mm-hmm. and I got to find a horse to ride. And if I yell it loud enough in the back seat. Someone's going to The do woman it. in front mm-hmm. is going to lose her mind or make it happen. <laughs> or, or both. both. <laughs> or both. Right? Like that. It, it's a pretty good life. Oh, I love it. Henry, we should have him on. Just talk about being a cowboy. We, he, he Sometimes he's a superhero. It just depends on the day. But it does. Most lately, because they went to a rodeo. Mm-hmm. Take a boy to a rodeo and you're done. Oh, it's over. He wants to go mutton busting. Oh, how fun for him. You can ride on one of those yeah, little, the little guys. Bit, bit, yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't that be funny? I want to go watch it. Oh, I'll watch it. I'll get myself a hat. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And boots from the boot And a belt. <laughs> I'm all about it. Let's go. Don't lie. You already own all those things. I do. That's true. Our guest today. <laughs> He's been sitting here so patiently. It has a lot in common with Henry in that <laughs> he comes to us from Cowtown. 
up north, known as Sacramento, mm-hmm. our, nas- our nations, our state capital. Mm-hmm. Glad to have Todd Bloomstein back with us. So happy to have you here on the Two Average Girls podcast. Thank you, Anne. It's good to be back. It's good to be back, uh, Denise. It's I think I was number nine, right? That was the you, ninth episode. You were episode nine, but you First were interviewed. If, number one in our hearts, number one in our minds, and number two interview. That's right. In the books, you were the second interview we did. You were so brave. We, I'm, Denise was like, yeah, we're doing a podcast. I don't know. Can you come and talk to us? It's about whatever. So now you're our legislative. Um, he's the voice of Sacramento. He's the voice of Sac. Hardly. No, no, yes. no, no, no. He's not, a not voice of Sac. He's That's the two no. average girls voice of Sac. Okay. okay. You're I'll, our official I'll, representative. Our well, oh, yeah. yeah you're correspondent. That. Official correspondent. Well, <laughs> Absolutely. If I may, congratulations on what? Over two years now? Yes. Of mm-hmm. Two Average Girl podcast. And that is absolutely amazing. Thanks. Uh, I'm impressed with how well. The studio has, has come along. <laughs> it's frankly. evolved. The, oh, absolutely. Yeah. The neon lights. Uh, it's wonderful, actually. Thank and you. The, the high-tech equipment. So I'm very impressed. And, and frankly, you know, as as a listener, and yes, I am a subscriber, so I thank have you. clicked that button. Thank, thank you. On behalf of the listeners, thank you. Aww. Oh, thank you. Uh, th- thank you for, for, for taking me around the world, really. Thank you. Um, to Hawaii to talk about, <laughs> you know, I, I don't recall the gentleman's name, but who you interviewed in Hawaii, the... Uh, the Hindu? Yes. Mm-hmm. The, 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 uh, the Swami? Great episode. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Or I think it was one of your sons who, who traveled to Russia. Uh, Russia. Mm-hmm. Cameron. And Cameron. And. You know, fabulous story about, you. you know, I think about that as I'm walking around. Could I imagine, you know, going to a foreign country and, and trying to talk to, to people about, you know, uh, the ministry and, mm-hmm. and, and his mission or, mm-hmm. you know, your trip, your honeymoon trip, as, as awkward <laughs> as that sounds and, and uh, you know, the, the craziness of the hurricane that came. So you have taken this particular listener uh, literally around the world. And I am I'm totally thankful for your commitment and opening your worlds up to me and to us thank listeners. So thank, thank you, you so much. We appreciate that. We really do. We also appreciate your son. People may not know the connection. When you came to talk to us, number two interview, we were still setting up equipment. Jason Fries was here trying to help us uh, in whatever way possibly he could. Thank you so much, Jason. You brought your son with you, Aiden. And he was a senior in high school at that uh, time? I think so. Yeah. 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 We, yeah. we were just finishing up some of the COVID stuff, if I remember Yes. Right. Yes. No, it was 20, it was before, oh yeah, yeah, you we were, were, I'm sorry, of, you're right. I think. Right? You're right. It we was, were, yeah, it was, and that was, you You actually made the trip from Sacramento just to be here. Yeah. For yeah. this. And you brought Aiden with you, and, and you I think you were doing some university uh, tours. tours. Yep. I think, yeah. Yeah, and now Aiden is like the number three person in this podcast. It's me and Denise and Aiden. <laughs> <laughs> Two mics. average girls and Aiden. That's right. So well, I know he enjoys serving. Two average girls and one completely awesome man you, you at USC. USC. student. Yeah. Yes. He started as a boy, and man, he has changed. Just, just the evolution from an 18-year-old high school senior to now, after his, he just finished up his second year at USC. It's like, mm-hmm. this is a totally different person. As if he could get better, he did. I know. We love you, Aiden. Thank you. Love you, Aiden. Yeah, we do. We absolutely love you. Well, we love you too, Todd. So thank you for coming back to the program. One of the reasons we had Todd on in the first place was because we wanted to get to know the process, which was the voting process, the Sacramento, what it's like. He's a lobbyist by trade, and he's a lobbyist for... Um, the Construction Association through the Southern California Contractors Association. So if there is some sort of legislation coming down the pipe or if there's anything that I have a question about, I can call Todd Mm -hmm. and ask him. Mm -hmm. One of the Senate bills that came to my attention was Senate Bill 94. And this bill is um, something that will abolish LWOP. Basically, mm-hmm. What's LWAP? and LWAP is, and I love these kind of things. It's like bolo. It's mm-hmm. like sending out, you know, be on the lookout. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I love saying that word. APB. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, LWAP is life without parole. Okay. So they're going to abolish the chance. Who's, who's they? Who's they? The legislation, legislators, state of California. State of California has a bill that has passed. Okay. So then, so then, what happens? Well, it abolishes the death penalty abolishes life without the possibility of parole mm-hmm. and in order to do so what they're saying is we're going to release prisoners 
despite the sentence that they've received. So if someone has and, already received a sentence that was life without parole, if they abolish that law, some people could be let loose? It's it's not necessarily abolished. My understanding of that bill, and again, I work in the construction industry <laughs> right. policy. Tell us my, what you think. Yeah, exactly. No, my industry, my understanding is that this particular bill gives the right for a petition to get out of life without the possibility. So they're not going to open the doors and set all of the criminals free and say, have at it, everybody. No, you have to petition. There's paperwork that has to, there's a, there's a judicial process that has to be gone through if this does indeed pass. Let me tell you what the California Globe said. Okay. Just to make it a little bit more, a little bit easier to understand. Among the, um, the bill would authorize the court to modify the murder sentence to impose a lesser sentence and apply any changes in law that reduces the sentence or provides for judicial discretion or to vacate the murderer's conviction and impose judgment or a lesser offense to be included. Um, the beneficiaries of this measure, if passed, will be criminals convicted of first-degree murder with special circumstances. And these murders who killed multiple victims or killed in concert with rape, robbery, kidnapping, or torture um, will have the ability to have this sentence reduced. Has this law passed? Amendment. Has this passed? Yeah. So this is a law that's already in play. No. Not so yet. Th this is a bill that's introduced in the legislature currently pending. Okay. It's gotten out of the Senate and it's over in the assembly now. So as of mid-May, it's still in the process. Okay. If and what is the process after this? Just explain what it will take to sure. get it to that next level. Sure. So it's essentially halfway through the legislative process. It'll have a hearing in the S Assembly Public Safety Committee. It'll go to the Assembly Appropriations Committee where we'll look at the state, the legislature will look at the cost to the state to implement the bill. It'll then go to the assembly floor and then it'll go to the governor. That's that's the process. Is and then once the governor signs it, should he sign it, and he's given no indication, he never tells anyone where he's going to go on legislation, should it pass, it would go into effect January 1 of 2024. Now, remember, this is retroactive. So my understanding is it would apply to people that are already convicted yeah. and could apply. And then those can, those people that are convicted can petition the court to go back and, and, and change their LWAP. It, as opposed to if it takes effect January 1 mm -hmm. and on January 2nd, somebody is convicted and sentenced to life without the possibility of parole, um, it would apply to that person prospectively as well as retroactively to, to others. And, okay, and now I, I had the displeasure of experiencing this bill just a little bit too. What do you mean? I, w I watched the hearing on it and... Tell us everything. You don't want to hear it. It's awful. Why? The, because the people that are convicted of these particular crimes are the worst of the absolute worst. Yeah. And there was a mother that came, <clears throat> spoke on against the bill. Her daughter was kidnapped, her daughter was raped, and her daughter was murdered. And the person that was convicted would now have the right to petition the court to be set free. Okay, so I think that's important to know, though, that, that there was a victim's rights advocacy attempt at at least presenting mm -hmm. some sort of argument to this mm -hmm. and they were not swayed legislature whoever heard it was not swayed they weren't what is the purpose then of passing this bill the intent the purpose is obviously to let people that are convicted out yeah, but, but I think the question, Anne, is what's the policy? What's the public policy behind letting these types of people out? And what we need to recognize, and, and okay, this is very complicated and, and a complex uh, discussion, right? Because right. To, to assume that there's just one reason why this is happening in Sacramento mm -hmm. or in California is, is, is not accurate, right? There's multiple reasons why this is happening. There's a whole bunch of things that, that we can unpack and talk about of, of why policies are coming out like this. But the, the, the most formative, the, the, the primary reason mm -hmm. is there's been a public policy shift away from what I would say punishment in the public safety uh, world 
and now we're strictly we we used to have this just in the 90s it was three strikes remember we're going to yes. punish people for for convictions yes. and they're going to go away for a long time and society is going to be safer and then with there were some changes that said now you know we need to rehabilitate those people as well okay. right so there was the the conviction of the sentence and we're going to we're going to uh, punish them and then we're going to rehab them now we've gone, we've pretty much eliminated the entire punitive portion of our public safety system. And it's now all about rehabilitation. Do we have systems in place to rehabilitate a kidnapping rapist murderer? Is there a place for him to go? Yeah. Where? Social justice programs, community organizations that will say, yeah, we'll, we'll try to rehabilitate these people. I mean, even just now, the, a week or so ago, the governor said he was going to turn San Quentin which is uh-huh. where death row is. Yes, it is. You know, we're going to turn it into the biggest uh, rehabilitation center in, oh. in, in the state. We're going to rehabilitate these people. Exciting. And but it it goes back to policy. Um, in you know it was it was stated in in 2015 2016. You know we amended the law. Uh, so the purpose we redefine the purpose of of sentencing. Um, it's no longer through punishment. It's rehabilitation. And it's restorative justice. Uh, the purpose of imprisonment before that was 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 strictly punishment. And so this isn't necessarily a. If you come to me and say it costs too much to keep these guys behind bars, this is a cost-saving measure. It's better. It's easier. It's more fiscally responsible to say we're going to rehabilitate these guys. If you said that to me, I'd say hate the idea completely. But at least I would, there would be something I could grasp onto. This is just pie in the sky. No, you're not seeing them for who they are. They're not kidnapping rapists who murder. They're people that need to be heard and understood. That I can't, sorry, I'm not getting behind that. It's, it's what it is, and, and you're, you're scratching on the complexities of, of how these types of policies develop. Am I correct in just the overview of this whole thing? Denise said something about... Um, death row same people will Mm -hmm. also be let go they are also they could be yeah because well i mean again i don't know for Mm. certain right but i do know there was um an executive order that said california will no longer participate in the death penalty we haven't for years so the correct so the assumption is do those people qualify are they considered life without the possibility of parole now because they still i I don't know i don't know the vernacular but if you have um if you have a conviction and you got the death penalty, say in the 70s, let's just say, and then it was, you know, abolished, whatever, put on hold. Um, does that automatically change your sentence to life without parole? It doesn't. Good question. I, it, I don't. I, I think don't. your sentence is still the death penalty. You're just never, never going to be put to death. It. Correct. So that's a gray area that we don't we, know. We don't know. But, okay. but to your point of, you know, are we going to save money? Yeah. And, and, and that's exactly part of one of the aspects that created the situation where we're at now. In in the late 90s, early 2000s, the federal government said, you know, California, your prisons are overpopulated and you don't have an adequate health system uh, to take care of their health. Okay. So what do we have to do? Well, we had to reduce the prisons. What the state said was, well, you know, just start emptying out some of our prisons and we can meet that 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 requirement. Mm-hmm. And so there was at least one angle that said, you know, we can we can meet the federal mandate, the uh, uh, federal mandate. We had there was a there was an individual who was a receiver uh, for the state prison health system. Mm-hmm. And so all the politicians were pointing to this guy saying, look, we're overpopulated. Uh, our prisons, they're overcrowded. We need to we need to close them up. Mm-hmm. And then you combine that with the fact uh, in the late 2000s where we had significant budget, the state had significant budget deficits. Well, you know, a good way to, to save some of state funding is if we release some prisoners. So you've got these scenarios, right, mm-hmm. where the, these these influences, these factors that have created now the policies that we're seeing. Yeah. There's a bill that passed off the assembly uh, just yesterday, you know, uh, mid-May. Um, we talked about it a little bit before the show about uh, fares, bus fares. Yeah, what's that? So that that bill pr- says individuals essentially can no longer be prosecuted for jumping their fares. So if you go down to MTA and and you know jump the little yeah, uh, don't pay a fare and jump right. the the gate, 
no one's going to stop me. No, you're not. You're not going to be convicted. Then why? Uh, why don't they just open them permanently and just let everybody ride for free? Well, I think that's what the ultimate. <laughs> and and to be fair, I mean, it, it had it. What what the what the bill says is you know on the on the third time a yeah. person gets cited, um, if 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 they jump the fare three times, then they could be fined four hundred dollars or ninety days in jail. Okay. Okay. And and so what they did was they got rid of it. So you can still be cited if you don't pay a fare, but you're always you're just going to get cited. You're, there's never a threat of going to jail. Now here's what the author said back to the fiscal part. Yeah. He said, well, you know what? Ninety days in jail. Yeah. We're putting people away for ninety days. That'll pay for thirty-seven years of bus fares. Why don't we just give that person the state thirty-seven instead of paying for that person to be incarcerated for ninety days? Why don't we just Give them 37 years worth of, of MTA bus fares. Who are these people? They're I'm people sorry. you voted for. I didn't vote for these well, people. Well, somebody did because I that's didn't. who's making these these decisions on our behalf. And that's why I wanted Todd here. Not because he's an expert at any of this public policy, but because I wanted people to be aware of what is happening right under their noses. You brought up that bill from yesterday. It's about bus fares. And then we're talking about the Globe says their headline was California bill will release death sentence murderers after 20 years. We have a faction of people. There's a whole coalition with in the name in the name of let me get it right. Um, it's called the Felony Mur Murder um, Elimination Project. Do you know what felony murder is? <clears throat> no. Well, we eliminated that a couple of years ago. What is it? Felony murder is, let's say I take, to use you and I as an example, mm -hmm. Denise, I take you down to our rival gang member's house, drive you there, you get out, shoot some gang members, come back, and we drive away. If you get convicted of murder, I will as well because I'm an accessory to what you did. Yeah. I helped you commit that. Got right? It. That's gone now. Okay. So, so as the driver of you the car. You can be the driver of the car. Do and I just walk away, or is there a misdemeanor charge? Is there any charge at all? There's, it's. I don't know about that. Yeah. But as far as the the that that particular rule, the felony murder rule's gone, and 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 so there used to be policies that would uh, influence individuals not to to participate in these types of activities. Yeah, right. Well, now they're gone. They're gone. This is a free for all. You're going to have to pay higher prices. We all are already. And that's and that's the that's my point. Those hundred dollar jeans may have been eighty dollars before. Mm -hmm. And and the question is, you know, how is that happening? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, the voters of the state, the good voters who are never wrong, <laughs> voted for Prop Forty Seven. And uh, what back is Prop 47? Yeah, back in 2014, mm -hmm. it, it passed with nearly 60% of the vote. And it said, well, you know, we're going to increase the theft amount from $400 to $950. Mm -hmm. Now, it's still a misdemeanor. Yeah. You go out and you you, you load up in all the uh, Ulta uh, makeup <laughs> or, you know, grab a couple pair of Nordstrom designer jeans and walk out the door. Uh, you could still be cited as a misdemeanor. Now... The question is, why isn't that being prosecuted, right? Okay. I mean, it's 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 a fair question. Yeah. Thankfully, um, if I don't know the answer, odds are I know people that know the answer. Mm -hmm. I've got a buddy who's a former chief of police up in Northern California, God's country. Thank you, Ann. No, no. <laughs> yes, God's no. country. Uh, at least as far as Sacramento goes. Sacramento, not, that's not it. There. And I, I asked him, what is the deal? How come these people are getting away with just walking out of the Walgreens with all kinds of, of merchandise and other stores? Um, and he explained, well, it's, 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 it's pretty simple. If a misdemeanor occurs that's not in the presence of a police officer, it requires the loss prevention or a citizen to make an arrest. Mm -hmm. And that, that loss prevention has to restrain and hold that person there until the police comes. Mm -hmm. It also requires a significant amount of paperwork and proof that can be admissible in court. Now, what I'm told is those retailers they don't want the risk associated with putting their hands on somebody who's stealing. Sure. And so they've made a conscious effort to say, you know what? Hands off. We're not going to touch you. We don't want the liability of you filing a civil action against us because, oops, we accidentally broke your arm when we were trying to restrain you. That's exactly what would happen, too. I exactly. Mm -hmm. And so they let him go. They have a no chase policy. Unbelievable. Absolutely it unbelievable. Back in the day when Rudy Giuliani was first elected mayor of New York City... New York City was a trash heap on fire when he was elected. 
And the first thing he did was he told the police to start, and you know this, to start punishing the small crimes. Mm-hmm. If you start with the small crimes, then they won't escalate into the big crimes. It's as if California has adopted the opposite policy. Mm-hmm. Don't punish anything, even the big crimes, and, you know, live and let live. I, I don't know where it goes from. They don't want hard crimes having hard punishment. Mm-hmm. No, they, they don't. And and unfortunately, I think that the, what we need to look at are what are the consequences? That's what I was going to say. To what end? Yeah, what are we e- doing? Exactly. Where, where are the sheepdogs? Yeah. Right? Where, where are the people that, you know, if, if loss prevention isn't going to put their hands on it, uh, where's where's the, the Batmans and the Spidermans of the world? Yeah. You know, and, and, and if you take a look, you know, what happened in New York and Subway two weeks ago, right, yep. on, the, on the subway. That's right. One individual felt threatened. So this individual suspected person who was threatening violence with other against other women on the subway. Mm-hmm. And this former Marine, yep. you know, restrained him, choked him out. And later on, apparently, uh, the, the individual died. Right. And then what happened? He gets arrested, arrested. by New York. And a GoFundMe page is started. Anybody want to guess how much money his GoFundMe has What's raised? What's it up to now? Last I heard this morning, $3 million. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it says something. It says it a says lot. It says a lot. It says a lot. Yeah. It, you know, be fearful of that silent majority out there. Be fearful of the people that follow the rules because there's going to be a time when, when they've had enough. And, you know, looking at, at some of the data that, I, that I've seen, you know, recently, I, I think it was PPIC mm-hmm. uh, ran a poll that said, you know, 65 percent, 65 percent of Californians are concerned about being a victim of a crime. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah. Consequences. What does that translate to as far as voting? You know, we, we saw this in the 80s. We, and this is how um, the Three Strikes Initiative got put on uh, the, the ballot and, mm-hmm. and was passed. It, there's this back and forth of, you know what, we want rehabilitation, and now we're going to go straight punishment. Mm-hmm. It, it's back and forth. And, and the correct answer is somewhere in between. Right? Yes, right. Somewhere where, you know, it's a balance of punishment and rehabilitation. Right now, we're going too far to the rehabilitation side. And I, I fear there will be a, a backlash by... Uh, people through popular vote, right? There Democracy. Will be. Well, there what will be. really stri- strikes me as interesting is we talk about rehabilitation, and to your point, Anne, you mm-hmm. asked the question, what do we have in the form of rehabilitation? If we're going to really have reform, why are we not doing it in the prisons themselves at the time that they're in there? Well, let's be fair. I mean, there are people out there that are prisoners that have been rehabilitated sure. and are outstanding individuals. Sure. You know, they may work for carpet companies up in Reading, for all you know, right? <laughs> Check out episode 99 if you're interested in, in, in that story. Uh, but there are. And now here's where my, and I try not to be personal in, in my beliefs, but talk about what I see out there. But I think there, there's a clear distinction between individuals that are showing a propensity to say you know what i made some mistakes mm-hmm. i'm going to let restorative justice affect me whatever that looks like mm-hmm. but we're dealing with people that don't follow the laws and don't follow rules in the first place and the assumption is that they're going to follow the rules of a restorative justice program yeah right what makes I, them think that i don't know i think but the the concern sorry denise the concern is what signal is the state sending to its people when it says we're not going to prosecute you for selling stuff? Well, it's going it, to the signal it's sending is that basic humanity and the protection of the people who live here in this state, paying taxes, doing their job every day, do not matter. Mm. That's what, the signal mm-hmm. I'm getting anyway. Mm-hmm. What worries me though is when you talk about the victims of crime. The people who it should be supposedly in an ideological way helping, which might be those who are in the inner cities or are minorities in the state, are going to be the victims of crime most likely more than anybody else mm-hmm. because they're going to be the ones who are affected by it the most. So the mm-hmm. people that it's supposed to be helping or that we're going to give them a break are the ones fearful. It mm-hmm. makes zero sense. And unfortunately, it's going to occur in areas, the inner city areas that are the most, I'm going to say woke. Um, because And vulnerable. And vulnerable. But the, the, the leadership, mm-hmm. the political leadership is the most woke and, and they're not going to do anything about it. And there's there are roves of 
thieves in San Francisco that go around uh, to park cars, smash the window in broad daylight, mm-hmm. smash the window, take luggage, take whatever, and they just go down the street and they do they, they take stuff and nobody chases. There's no repercussions for mm-hmm. what they're doing. That's dangerous stuff. What has been our population decline in this state recently? So we're at about 40 million people several years ago. Okay. We're, we're, we're approaching 39 million now. Okay. This is unprecedented in mm-hmm. California. It's, it's wonderful. I had uh, the, the honor of meeting the new PPIC, which for your listeners that are interested in, in some really good data on topics, check out the Public Policy Institute of California. The new president there that runs the show is the former chief justice of uh, the state Supreme Court, uh, Justice uh, Tin. Tanil, I believe her first name is. Uh, yeah. She's wonderful. We yeah. had a conversation about about this, and here's you know what's most frightening. We've had a, an exodus of Californians to other states for a long time, right? A, a number of, of years. Usually, those are people that are lower income earners. Um, usually, people and we track it: people without bachelor's degrees, with no college education. Mm-hmm. What we've seen in the last two years is a heightened exodus of people with bachelor's degree on the order of several hundred thousand people leaving. Now, you might think, well, shoot, Todd, there's 40 million, 39 million people in the world. Who cares? Here's the kicker. Remember how the state of California receives its revenues. Mm -hmm. Two-thirds of the revenues come from the personal income tax, right? The the pit that we all pay April 15th. That's a busy time for us, so we get the extension October 15th. Mm -hmm. Thank Um, you. But 1% of California households produce 50% of the personal income tax. That 1%, people that earn $500,000 or more, produce 50% of the entire pit. If those people are leaving the state... Which they are. Which they are, we're going to see significant deficits. We're going to see some some real struggles on our horizon. You would think, well, you know, if the government wants to spend money making affordable housing and paying for affordable housing, you know, why why shouldn't they, right? Mm -hmm. Well... Part of the problem is, and maybe this will be enlightening to your listeners, is that when government spends money to build infrastructure, they have to pay the prevailing wage. Mm -hmm. That prevailing wage is not a minimum wage. It's probably twice as much what the prevailing wage is, right? So the and the idea twice as much the minimum wage. So so the thought is, okay, let's make careers out of uh, construction. So construction workers can live a a, a great life, right? Mm -hmm. The problem is it artificially, the prevailing wage artificially increases the costs of projects. So, you know, that that cool um, inner city affordable housing uh, complex that was built in downtown Los Angeles that had, you know, a couple million dollars of, of, of public taxpayer money and some private money mixed in, that project's being paid prevailing wage. And the units for that apartment Instead of costing, you know, a hundred thousand, hundred fifty thousand uh, dollars because per unit. per unit, because it's being used, because taxpayer dollars are being used and prevailing wage is being paid, it's seven to eight hundred thousand dollars per unit to construct. Mm-hmm. That's not sustainable. Government shouldn't be involved in making these types of solutions. What government should be doing is adopting policies that attract the private money to come in and solve the problems. But God forbid, we've got a legislature that doesn't want to help corporations and you know make sure corporations uh, fill their pockets with with money god forbid you well, know, we can't we can't make profits in this state and, and we can't have policies that promote profits and not only that though california has done its level best to chase business out mm-hmm. they they don't welcome it at all and they haven't been uh secretive in any way about it that's no. what i don't understand no and and it's you know, we've been saying this for decades and in the 90s when I started working in, in politics. Let's not kill the golden goose. <laughs> We're killing it by a thousand paper cuts. Exactly. And it's one regulation after another. But what what's the, the state's saving grace is the tens of millions of people that live here, the 39 million people that live here. Mm-hmm. But what if all those people start to leave? 
Well, and, and why would I? And if if mm-hmm. I've got you know fifteen million dollars to invest in a new company, why would I come build things in in California, or why would I start a company in California when I can have lower uh, energy costs, lower labor costs? lower utility costs, lower land costs, lower supply costs if I'm over in Utah. Name it. How can we tell our listeners, what can we, what advice can we give them to make them more aware of what they're doing moving forward? I mean, I know I myself. I think the the battle that has to be fought is against complacency, like you alluded mm-hmm. to earlier. And and in order to avoid complacency, you got to engage. Mm-hmm. And I think I said this in episode nine, right? I think you did. You know, mm-hmm. Go run for city. Go run for city council. Run for you know school board member. Run for dog catcher. You know, engage <laughs> in because when when you engage in in the civic duties, right? Um, you're gonna appreciate new perspectives on how things work rather than what you read on Twitter or what you see on the news uh, as well, which sometimes, you know, may not necessarily mislead, but certainly on, on ample occasions withholds information that's vital to understanding the big picture. A lot of people will say, I don't have time. It's too complex. People are all, people are all crooked. I don't want to vote for anyone. I don't even vote. I haven't voted for 20 years. I mean, I've heard it all. Or the loudest voice gets the most attention. Exactly. And right now, the loudest voices are, you know, the woke voices, the the progressive voices that are getting all the attention. Right. And and that's that's harmful. I and think. it's also not representative. It's it's not. And there's the silent majority out there. Uh, but you know, there's 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 a marketing problem. And for you and and your communication skills. Mm-hmm. You know, this country was founded as the anti-government government, right? Mm-hmm. You know. It, we go from a place where <clears throat> we came from a place where government doesn't provide for people. You, you, you look at the First Amendment, right? The way it's drafted, it doesn't say um, you citizens of the United States have the right to free speech, right? Words matter. It's the government isn't giving us free speech. The way it's drafted, it says Congress shall make no law infringing upon our, our our right to free speech right the thought there is it's our god-given human nature right to be free mm-hmm. we've come a long ways from from that initial founding where we're getting to the point now where government is the solution and there's lots of reasons for that and the biggest one i think is our communities are dissolving mm-hmm. and we'll define I'll define that in, in, in a quick second and we're thinking now that you know what government can be our community and it and it shouldn't be and you know I, I pulled a, a Sacramento Bee article you know again from Sacramento yeah, in God's Northern, country God's country Northern California. got you I got you, know, you. it's it's amazing um, 47% now this is from 2021 say that um, only 47% of Americans and it's probably lower in California are members of churches, mosque, mosques, or synagogues. Say that and, number again. And 47% okay. members of churches, mosques, or synagogues. In 1940, going back to the extreme, mm-hmm. it was 73%. And it's probably, that, that 47 is probably high for California. It's probably much lower. There is no engagement in, I'm going to use the examples of, of church, right? And if we're not, if if our community is shifted from a church to government, let me ask this simple question. We'll kind of come full circle here, right? Mm-hmm. Where do you get your moral code? Where do you get your ethical code? Do you get? Does the government provide that? No heavens. Okay, no. well, if the government's <laughs> providing um, our our moral code, then according to the public safety laws and the trends of the public safety laws of the state of California, it's okay to steal. Mm-hmm. It's okay to take whatever you want out of CVS and walk out. Mm-hmm. It's a good point. That's scary. No, it's government it's where is we're at. government is not intended to be community. It's not intended to be a provider. Right. Uh, but we're seeing a shift by some of the loudest in the state that are arguing for just that. Government has a solution. Now I'm old school. You know, I, <laughs> I subscribe to what Reagan said. You know, I was just going to quote that on Johnny you, Carson when uh, he had. Well, I mean, he said it a lot, but he's he's on Johnny Carson and. Johnny Carson asks, yeah. what, what's the problem with the, our nation the today? The nine most famous words that you don't want to hear was that? Was well, that it right? was something like government needs to get out of the way. It, it, it was, you know, what, what is the, the scariest words for yeah. whatever? Um, I'm here from the government yeah. and I'm, I'm here I'm to I'm here help. to help. Yeah. 
Yes, it's no. absolutely true. Yeah, it, it, stay out of the way. But so here's yeah. the here's the marketing question, right? Mm-hmm. You've got two sides. And it is it is that polarizing in politics. You've got one side that says, um, I want to help. I'm mm-hmm. part of the government and I want to provide solutions. It's just government isn't set up for this. This mm-hmm. is not this is not a good role for government providing services and mm-hmm. helping. Mm-hmm. But the other side says you know, it's it's more Reagan-esque. It's more, you know, First Amendment. Mm-hmm. It's it's more government, stay out of my way. Please. Well, as a party, how do you communicate that? As as a party, how do you communicate to people to say, you know what? I don't necessarily believe the government should be the solution here. I think we you have say exactly problems. that. I, th- I think if someone stood on their soapbox and said exactly that, you would get more votes than you can imagine. Mm. Because you're talking about the silent majority and they're, they're waiting they're all waiting I for disagree. that. I disagree. I disagree. And the reason I disagree is because I have seen the majority of people, at least in California, the way they have voted mm-hmm. time and time again mm-hmm. is saying the opposite. They are saying, government, take care of me. Denise is right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you look at the registration in the state. Mm-hmm. The, the latest report has registration, Democrats 10.3 million, 46.9% of the total registered voters. Republicans, 5.2 million, 23.8%. And the rest, no party preference, independents, 4.9 million. The Republicans and the independents are about the same. And the Democrats, you know, how many... How many Republican constitutional officers do we have in the state of California? I don't know how many. Zero. Guess what the makeup (laughs) of the legislature is right now. We have, there are 40 state senators... Nine are Republicans, 31 are Democrats. In the assembly, you think it might be a little bit better? Nope. 80 total members. We've got 18 Republicans and 62 Democrats. 18 to 62. Mm -hmm. Again, it's a communication problem the way I see it. How do you communicate smaller government, trust in individuals, I trust in people, against, hey, I'm going to provide you that... COVID can't work. Mm-hmm. Hey, state, let's give people a couple thousand dollars. Free handout. Here you go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, you've, you've got um, a mental health crisis. Hey, we just created a cool new website owned by the state of California with a 1-800 number. You can call it and get some help. Uh, <laughs> Not you. I was talking about Denise. Sorry. So, oh, sorry. Thank you. Sorry. Thank yeah, you for pointing course. that out. I can't imagine anything provider. less effective. It is fascinating. You know, uh, Governor Newsom won 59.2%. Um, a Senator Dolly, who who runs in the uh, Senate, was forty point eight percent raw votes. It's worth noting six point five million votes for uh, Governor Newsom, uh, four point five for uh, Senator Dolly. Uh, I, I did pull some numbers as well, and I didn't write them down, but four and a half million Republican votes is like the top two or the top three in the country. Mm-hmm. So here's the point may have gotten schwacked, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But there are a lot of Republicans. There are millions of Republicans in this state right now. Question is, how long will they stay? How long will they stay? And will they continue to try to vote? I have to be honest, as a voter, it gets a little, after a while, you're like, why? Why? It doesn't matter. It doesn't count in the state of California. I think that's That's, part of... You have exactly defined... The, the enemy. Mm-hmm. It's complacency. Yeah. You've just defined complacency. Why? I get it. Why because am I bothering? It, yeah, exactly. Because and and what, what needs to occur is good old organizing. You got to you got to talk to your neighbors. You got to talk to your network. You got to get people involved and, and energized. Right. Because if not, if complacency sets in, people get rolled. And the Democrats, you know, they know this. Right. There's a real struggle right now. And I don't mean to be too political. This is very no, known. Please, right. Yeah. You, you've got very big tent over a lot of different interests underneath that the the, the party umbrella here mm-hmm. right underneath the party and they're fighting internally there there sure. are some some significant fights when your tent gets that big um look out look why out. do we have to have two parties only why can't we ever have a third mm-hmm. independent party there are but they never there win. are but it's always the the problem is i I think I am at heart a libertarian. I think you probably are too when it comes down to, you know. Stay out of my business. I'll stay out of yours. Mind your biz. But you get these party representatives, independent, uh, green party, libertarian party, and you're like, 
what are who where did these cats crawl out from under interesting you brought up the the third party candidate because what the dynamic is the major parties will fight to squash them i know and and here's here's a very easy example to show what happens right my first ever election that i voted in I voted for H. Ross Perot. Yes, Remember you him? did. Yeah, H. Ross Perot. I, went, I was, out, I was yeah. out collecting signatures for him in front of Target. Congratulations. And Gemco's. Congratulations. You helped get Bill Clinton elected. <laughs> yeah. I know. For real. That's you how it works. You split the vote. Yeah, yeah you that's split right. the vote. So the parties. It you was know, my point, though. My point was uh, it's, I it's have fun. to do this. Yeah. No, no. It's, I. I you know, I, it was very Trump-esque, actually, in retrospect, when you think about it, that you want the outsider to come mm-hmm, in and shake mm-hmm, up the mm-hmm. system. And Perot was going to do that, and it just messed him up. We have had some, the last state elected official from a third party, and I don't know how I remember this, yeah. but it was Audie Bach, and she was a member of the Green Party. And I think she served yes. one or two years. And then and that then was out. It. Yeah, because, I mean, there is quite a machine and organization behind the parties right come election time you can tap into that party and you know you're going to go all the way up the ticket you're going to have the presidential or, or governor um on the ballot right and you're going to have uh, mailings yeah. with with your name as well as the the governor or the president depending on the election those are big tickets, right? right? And you're going to have resources coming in from the party. If you're a Green Party member, you're not going to have access to those types of resources. No, it's really not. sad. Yeah, you know, when we're talking about systems of government, they're designed in our government. They're designed to to compromise, right? To work out differences. If we're so polarized to the point where my objective is to annihilate that other party mm-hmm. and that other candidate, mm-hmm. or that other elected official that I'm negotiating with, how do you ever compromise there? You can't. Well, and how do you ever get anything done? You can't. Because your whole focus right. is annihilating that one person. It's right. like, no, 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 no. Yeah, this we could talk about this all day, but it, it, it does, it's counterproductive. It it's, is. It's a, it's a bigger subject than just even politics. This is happening in the rhetoric or the lack of civility that we have with amongst ourselves to even talk about these issues. Mm-hmm. Right? Back to where do you get your morals and your ethical code from. I mean, it's, it's, I, I, I think it, and it doesn't permeating. have to be religion. It no, could it doesn't. Be, it, it does. It could be your neighborhood. And it's, it's just something, you know, please let's, let's put an interest ahead of our own for just a little right. bit. Right. I talked about this in the last episode that I did episode nine, you know, <laughs> let's, let's try just for a second, stop thinking about me all the time mm-hmm. and let's put some higher order, you know, together. Right. And, and, you know, I have my preferences on, on where that that commitment should be. Um, but right now, what I see is just a society that's permeated with cliques and narcissism and attention. And it's sad. It's mm-hmm. really sad. And it's- we're going to see crazy policies coming out of our government governmental institutions because of that. Reparations, this is at a state level, reparations for formerly enslaved folks, heritage of formerly enslaved folks that's on the that's on the table where does that stand right now for california for california yeah so it's it there is a process and and the governor signed a bill that said hey i'm going to create this commission this commission is going to complete a report and provide suggestions and as i understand it and that's not something i follow professionally but press reports that i've seen are that they haven't quite finished uh the presentation in the report yet um and there's been some talk about where the governor's going to go you know I, I i think you take all that with a grain of salt until there's some type of final product to look at and analyze they're really trying to figure out what it's going to cost well the fact that it's in any kind of committee is is shocking to me then again i guess i'm you know i'm not woke well and and for me personally um I pay taxes. Yeah. These I are do taxpayer too. dollars that are going to be used presumably to, to pay these things. I've never owned any slaves. I've never treated anyone poorly. Why should me, the taxpayer, have to foot the bill on this? Now, if he, if the government wants to go out and solicit you know, some type of donation or whatever, some private funding for it, fine. I'm, I'm, I have no problem with that. But, I mean, I'm... I'm a hardworking person and you know, we struggle to pay our quarterly taxes, right? It, 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 it's, it takes a lot of discipline to do that. I, I think people that have no connection to this issue should be asked to pay for it. A bill like this 
would be signed by executive order or would it be taken to the vote? It's not a bill. It's it's, it's a what? bill that was was signed, I think, two years ago that essentially established a commission mm-hmm. to review the, the issue of reparations mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then present the the idea uh, to the legislature. Okay. I'm and, just and trying... I think it was to the governor, actually, presented. It was like a, a, a blue ribbon commission to take a look at the issue. Okay. I'm, I'm worst case scenario is what I'm thinking because you're saying, you know, well, these are this, this could possibly be taxpayer monies if it goes as far as, you know, the furthest it can possibly go. Would it have to go to a vote or would um, the governor just sign that into executive order? I, I suppose there could be an appropriation by the state. So the way the state spends money, right, the, the governor can't, despite, you know, what we saw in COVID, that was all done through emergency yes. rules. The normal course of state spending is that uh, the legislature um, approves spending. It has to be approved. I, I would suspect that there would be lawsuits um, oh, for against real. this. And, you know, part of the problem, and, and just to transition a little bit, we, uh, policies that I've seen over the years are that, you know, sometimes the government will do things that it knows are illegal. Um, and they'll say, okay, I'm going to do this, but we expect you to file a lawsuit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. at the federal level, easiest example is the student loan uh, debt relief, right? I mean, hey, we're going to do this right before the election. And uh, yeah, we expect the lawsuit and it being. <laughs> I don't know why that makes me laugh because it's so ridiculous. Yeah, it's PR. It's, it's, it's absolute PR. Mm-hmm. It's 100%. hey, we're going to we're going to save the environment. Mm-hmm. We're going to eliminate the sale of new uh, combustion Eng- uh, engines in, in 2035, right? Yeah. They're moonshot goals, and I'm tired of that policy personally because it creates so much uncertainty in industry. It Mm -hmm. creates um, a a false sense that we're doing something, right? right? And meanwhile, China is building two new coal plants every single week, but this is a global issue, and Californians are going to have to pay for for global solutions. It doesn't make any sense. We Literally, California produces just over 1% of the total greenhouse gas emissions of the world. Yet, you know, we're chopping off our legs to mm-hmm. uh, to save the planet. Creating a blueprint for the rest of the world to follow. Well, and that's the goal. Proudly, apparently. yeah. Well, Todd, again, very enlightening. We're so glad to have you back. You were on number nine, and now you're on number 100 and... Something. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping to be number 100 because, again, I, I'm so thankful for all the places that you two ladies have, have taken me around as, as a listener. But I, sure. I think my tag goes back to let's, you know, the world would be so much better if we were selfless. Let's let's put other interests ahead of ours. And, you know, what does that look like? Right. How, how do you do that? It's as easy as, you know, and I said this in episode nine, mm-hmm. let that jerk motorist in you know who's trying to merge and waits to the very last minute you know those little acts of selflessness um you know when the, when the when the aisle at the grocery store the new one opens up you know don't be the guy in the very back of the line to go straight to the, to the front. front right Let, let's let's be a little bit selfless because mm-hmm. uh, the world will be a better place if we do totally Truly. agree Thank you, Todd, for joining us once again. Always, always a pleasure to have you here on Two Average Girls podcast. I'm Ann Police, and I'm Denise Cooper. Thanks for joining us. Episodes of Two Average Girls are free wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to hit the follow or subscribe button on the Two Average Girls main page so you never have to go searching for new episodes. Our editor is Aiden Bloomstein. Our social media producer is Samantha Stone. And original music for Two Average Girls is by Jason Fries. <laughs>